Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Beyond Markets podcast. Today, we will delve into the world of digital assets. My name is Philip Kramer, digital asset advisor at Julius Baer, and I'm happy to welcome with me Manuel Viegas, our next generation research analyst specializing in digital assets. So let's directly jump into the world of digital assets. And I don't know how you feel about it, Manuel, but to me, it seems that we are slowly but surely entering warmer days after the last year's crypto winter. And I'm not only referring to the fact that Bitcoin has had a strong year-to-day performance, outperforming major asset classes, but what I think is also reassuring to see is that various crypto funds have seen significant inflows this year, and actually implied volatility of Bitcoin came down pretty much, sitting currently on levels which are normally associated with emerging market equities. So those are just two factors which are indicating improving aggregate sentiment, but even more interesting, and I'm sure you can shed some light into that, is the rationale behind those observations. Absolutely. First off, hi, Philip. I'm doing fine, and I hope you are as well. It's a pleasure to be here. And in short, as you rightly said, the rally was initially triggered by several catalysts starting with the hopes of a rapid reversal of U.S. monetary policy, U.S. banking turmoil in March, and more recently, due to an emerging euphoria around the increasing institutional adoption, as evidenced by a series of filings for a physically-backed exchange-traded fund in the United States. Oh yeah, the Bitcoin spot EDF topic is definitely an interesting one which gather much attention lately. So let's focus on that for the moment. I know you're following the Bitcoin ETF saga very closely. So tell us, what exactly has happened on that front? The so-called saga began in June, when one of the world's largest asset managers, BlackRock, submitted their application for a spot product. The crypto community has been bossing since BlackRock's filing in June, because the move seem to open the floodgates, with major players like Fidelity and Wisdom Tree quickly following suit. The intensity of the debate has only grown since then, making it a focal point in the crypto space. Yeah, and I think at this point it's also worth highlighting, right, that there are actually already Bitcoin ETFs listed in the US, which are SEC approved. If I remember correctly, the first one started trading in October 2021. So having said that, those are all based on futures contracts and actually are not physically backed with Bitcoins. However, from a performance perspective, there should be no significant difference. But the mechanics behind it between the spot and future-based products are different. So why the so-called spot products require the actual purchase of the Bitcoins by the provider, their future-based counterparts replicate the performance with derivatives. Moreover, there's no limited supply of futures for such products. So basically, for every person buying future, there is one selling them, implying that one person's gain is the other person's loss. So at the end of the day, it's a zero-sum game, pretty much actually like a sports bet. 
So all of that said, the future-based variety does not really impact the supply and demand balance of Bitcoin and should therefore not move the price either. And this is a bit different with spot ETFs, Manuel, right? You're right, Philip. So first off, spot ETFs are nothing new. We have spot ETFs on Bitcoin in Switzerland. There are some spot ETFs on Bitcoin in Germany as well. So as you said before, there should be no significant difference in terms of performance between the two product types. But there is an important difference in terms of market impact. As you previously said, the physically backed or spot product actually requires the purchase of bitcoins. And it is very likely that the US dollar value of these bitcoins needed to establish a spot ETF will be in the tens of millions. And that said, big waves of futures volume tend to move the underlying markets, albeit typically only in the short term. For this reason, we consider the futures market and the positioning of more speculative and short-term traders as a key gauge of the market mood, as opposed to a fundamental driver of the market. At its core, the difference boils down to the underlying asset. In short, it's all about the replication strategy, as you rightly said. Let us come back to the current filings of a physically backed ETF in the US. It's not the first time that such filings are on the table. So in the US, there has been a lot of back and forth during the past few years. I actually just recently read that there have been almost 30 filings for spot crypto ETF since 2016. And now guess what? None of them have been approved by the SEC. Quite disturbing stat. And I think the crackdowns in the beginning of the year towards Coinbase, Binance US, Kraken, and so on, didn't really help neither to positively influence the US regulator's stance towards a potential approval of a Bitcoin spot ETF. So to be honest, regulatory conditions in the US seems quite chaotic and rather unclear, well, at least to me. But I'm sure you can elaborate on that a little bit more in detail, Manuel. Indeed. So first off, the Securities Exchange Commission is the US authority, the watchdog that is set to take care of the securities, as the name implies. And they base their assessment on whether a token is a security or not on the Howey test normally. And the Howey test refers to a ruling from almost 100 years ago. And the main outcome of it is that an asset qualifies as an investment contract and thereby as a security if it is an investment of money in a common enterprise with the expectations of profit derived from the efforts of others. And the good thing for Bitcoin is that it has never fallen under this security category for the SEC. It has rather fallen under the commodity category. Unfortunately, several other assets have fallen under this securities category. And even worse is the fact that many exchanges that provide access to Bitcoin also provide access to some of these blacklisted tokens have been having to endure millions in litigation costs in the past few years. In addition to their worries about liquidity and market manipulation, the regulators have expressed concerns that Bitcoin's volatility might be too intense for ordinary investors, 
It is important to mention, however, that the Securities Exchange Commission, less than a month ago, the Securities Exchange Commission approved a two times leverage Bitcoin futures based ETF. That said, BlackRock and the other issuers have set Coinbase Inc., which is the only publicly traded pure play spot crypto exchange in the US, as the ETF market surveillance partner of choice. So there is a clause within the filing called a surveillance sharing agreement. And in this case, you have to list an exchange of a significant size and BlackRock and some of the other issuers just listed Coinbase as their SSA partner. So what would you say then, given the current landscape, is it realistic to anticipate any of these Bitcoin spot ETFs receiving approval? Yes, so that's a tantalizing question. The SEC has actually 240 days to either approve or reject the filing. They recently hit the pause button on the ARK Invest and 21 shares joint proposal, buying themselves an extra 45 days. Grayscale's ongoing tussle with the SEC adds yet another layer of intrigue. And to be completely honest, the first week of September will be quite interesting as we will see the first deadlines for BlackRock, Bidwise, VanEck, WisdomTree, Invesco, Galaxy, Fidelity, and Valkyrie. If the SEC chooses to delay their decision, we should expect a response by the final dates at most, which would be on the 10th of January for ARC and mid-March for the rest. The truth is, in the meantime, we would expect a decision on all products at the same time. The reason being that the products are highly similar, most of them share the surveillance sharing agreement and most of them have a proper custodian, which is most often than not Coinbase. And the most important reason of all is that the SEC must avoid at all costs its previous kingmaker role, where they positioned the first futures-based Bitcoin ETF, which was the ProShares one, the ticker is BITO in a very favorable fashion against the rest of the applicants. Fast forward today, and the product is the largest one with a considerable advantage. Okay, perfect. So let's quickly recap. Latest, we see a decision by January on ARC and by March on the rest of the SM manager, if I catch that right. Well, looking forward to that, because if I'm listening to you, I really have the feeling that the probability that this will come is rather high. Eh? But now I want to move one step further and tackle actually what might be top of mind for existing and potential investors. And for that, let's imagine for one moment that the SEC is going to approve such a Bitcoin spot ETF. So question then at hand is how significant such an approval of these ETFs would affect the overall performance of the Bitcoin asset class. You're right, Philip. So I think this is highly significant. If spot ETFs get the green light, we might witness a considerable uptick in market activity due to four reasons. The first one is that private investors will have access to a proper spot Bitcoin product, and they would be able to gain exposure to Bitcoin without directly owning or trading the cryptocurrency. Such increased accessibility could lead to a larger pool of potential investors entering the market, driving up demand. 
On another end, we have the institutional traditional finance players. I can imagine that the introduction of such a structure will undoubtedly attract more institutional investors who have strict regulatory requirements and risk management policies. The third reason is that the asset managers must buy the actual Bitcoins, and there is very low market depth at the moment, so it can potentially trigger a so-called supply squeeze. The fourth reason is that Bitcoin has been establishing itself as a better store of value. And if the institutional demand increases considerably after we have such a structure with the spot ETFs, we can actually say that Bitcoin has rather become a sort of digital gold. In contrast to the original proposition by Satoshi Nakamoto, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, because Bitcoin actually serves a diversification purpose in a portfolio context. Super. Thank you very much, Manuel. I think it's fair to say, as you outlined, that such an approval of a Bitcoin spot ETF would definitely be a positive catalyst for the Bitcoin price. And I would like to go even further to one argument you made, because there has been a lot of talk about this potential Bitcoin supply squeeze you mentioned. And actually, you have been writing quite constantly in your research papers about such a potential supply squeeze. Maybe if you can elaborate on this matter a little bit more in detail. Indeed. So several signs point in that direction. Holders are accumulating. Miners are highly profitable. Institutions are becoming increasingly interested. And a potential approval for a spot ETF amidst very low market depth could result in a supply squeeze within a year. It is no secret that if spot ETFs get the nod, the ensuing demand could tighten the supply even further, as the asset managers must go to a liquidity-constrained open market and acquire the assets. So, minor profitability is relevant because the higher this factor is, the lower their need to sell bitcoins for covering their fiat-based costs. Jointly, miners have around 11% of the total Bitcoin supply as of today, and the incoming Bitcoin halving will likely impact their holding prospects. In terms of accumulation, blockchain data provides insights into when a Bitcoin has last been moved from one wallet to another. And for me, the most remarkable fact is that the share of Bitcoins that have not moved during the past five years is now approaching 32%, up from around 15% in 2015. Shortening the time horizon, the share of Bitcoins that have not been moved within a year has risen to the highest levels on record, reaching 70%. This suggests that buy and hold investors constitute by far the largest share of market participants while underpinning Bitcoin's status as a store of value. This phenomenon also implies that fewer and fewer coins are available for short-term traders. And lastly, and to be brief, the ETF approval. Plain and square, it means that the asset managers must buy the Bitcoins, and when you have low market depth, bid-to-ask prices will broaden. 
slippage is also likely to increase. It is a difference between the settlement and the execution price. Super. Thanks for those insights, Manuel. So with all those points mentioned, let's quickly wrap up what investors should expect in the upcoming week and also how it translates to our longer-term view because we at Julius Baer understand the developments of digital assets and more specifically the adoption of the blockchain technology as a secular trend, right? You're right, Philip. So right off the bat, I tell you, all eyes are on the Securities Exchange Commission for the first week of September, as it would be the Commission's first deadline for the recent wave of filings. Another important referential date would be that of the Bitcoin halving, which is likely to happen during the month of April next year, and where we will expect a deceleration on the supply growth of Bitcoin. The miners' block reward will decrease from 6.25 to 3.125 Bitcoins per block. The so-called halving has been well received by the markets, with prices responding pretty well to the event in the past. Nonetheless, past performance is no indicator of future performance, as we all know. All in all, Bitcoin's year-to-date price outperformance has been backed by a broad range of positive fundamentals in the past few weeks, including and not limited to increasing institutional adoption, holder accumulation, the potential approval for a spot ETF in the United States, which, by the way, we believe is more likely than not, and a looming supply squeeze. With that being said, cryptos have responded to policy changes in line with other risk-on assets. We acknowledge that macroeconomics and regulations are still providing headwinds rather than tailwinds. With the SEC's decision looming and Grayscale's appeal outcome in the balance, investors should stay alert. The potential for a market rally coupled with a supply squeeze means we are in for some exciting times. So Manuel, thank you so much for sharing your views on the Bitcoin ETF saga with us today. With that, we conclude this edition of Beyond Markets podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and look forward to the next Digital Asset edition soon. Bye for now. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Bayer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbayer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research please refer to www.juliusbear.com slash legal slash podcast for further important legal information.